Welcome to the Nopal Queens podcast. This is your chingona, La Sirena, a licensed clinician and higher education professional. Hola, and I'm La Estrella, and I'm a first-gen financial inclusion and brand marketing leader and badass queen. And here at Nopal Queens, we serve up real conversations about mental health and wellness from the Latinx perspective. Hola, gente. This is your Nepal Queen's host, La Sirena, and I am here with my co-host, La Estrella. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5. We are going to be talking about first-generation college student experiences. And this is Part 1 of a two-part series this month in February. We decided to host First Gen February just to bring light and awareness of the um, amazing uh, resiliency of our first-gen students and also to bring awareness about some of the challenges that they face and our hope is that we all have a better understanding of the experiences of first-gen students and we know how to help them better so we have a great guest today he's actually returning um, Rafa Morales Ordaz and he's a retention and graduation coordinator at um, California State University Sacramento and works a lot with our first-gen students um, so welcome to the show, Rafa. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Yes. We're excited to have you. Thank you. Well, welcome it's back. My pleasure. <laughs> my pleasure to be back. <laughs> awesome. Uh, if you all remember, Rafa was in a previous episode in season one when we cover Latinx and uh, masculine identities. So Rafa, welcome back. And I wanted to start by Maybe having you tell our listeners about some of the work that you're doing right now um, and with first-gen students. Yeah, absolutely. So um, thank you for having me once again. Um, the work that I do, um, I work in an institution of higher education where I work um, specifically with students who are um, majoring in child and adolescent development. Um, or in American Sign Language Deaf Studies. Um, so that's basically the, the focus of my work. I focus on students who are majoring in either one of those two majors. And then any of the minors that we offer within our college, which is mostly um, education related. Um, and a lot of the students that I work with, I mean, they all range in ages and they all come from different paths of life. Um, and a handful of them are first-generation um, college students um, who, um, even though they all have a different path, um, uh, you know, a different walk of life, um, one of the things that I can relate with um, when it comes to serving those students is that I myself uh, was a first-generation college student. Um, and some of the experiences that they share are similar to what I've experienced. Um, and uh, a, a lot of the work that I do um, revolves around um, not only advising the student on what they um, need to get done in order to make progress to degree, but it's also um, listening to the student, you know, hearing their story, um, 
you know, what hardships have they had to face, not only before they got to college, but even just being in college now, you know, what are the, what are the challenges and what can, what can I do as an advisor to, to help that student? But even more importantly, um, what can, what can we do as an institution of higher education to ensure the success of our students? So in a nutshell, that's what I do. Yeah, that's amazing. So you meet with a lot of students who are, of course, on their path to getting their degree. Um, for first-gen college students, what do you see as like their general sense of readiness? Like, do you feel that they're aware of resources? Do you feel like they're coming in and you're noticing, oh, you you don't know about this. Let me help you. You know, like how much of your time is helping them kind of make up for um, things that they might know not not know as first-gen students? Yeah, um, so I find it that oftentimes um, students, even well into their second or third year of college, still don't know what resources are out there for them. Um, and I think a lot of it, um, I'm not saying that 100% of it stems from this, but I think a lot of it stems from, um, you know, the, the, the mentality of, you know, fake it till you make it or... Or, you know, like, um, I don't want to ask that because it's going to sound like a stupid question. I'm, you know, three years into my schooling here and I'm going to ask, um, you know, uh, where the health center is or, you know, something, something along those lines. Um, so I do find that um, a lot of um, students, especially the first gen students that are coming in through my door, um, they don't know. Um, what they don't know because they've um, they they haven't asked or they haven't really like um, been exposed to it. They haven't had someone who said, "Hey, you know, like here's a list of resources that you can take advantage of. Like if you need somewhere to study, we have, you know, like these resources. And if you um, have health related um, things that need to be addressed, you know, we have a health center and all this other stuff. So I do find that a lot, um, and it. Part of the work that I do in um, advising these students, like I mentioned earlier, is not just um, going over their academic requirements, but also saying, hey, you know, um, did you know that you can take advantage of, you know, whatever programs we have available on campus and starting that conversation? Yeah, even just like knowing what resources are on campus, right, sometimes is is hard to know because is anyone really letting letting them know, like, I'm... I'm a first generation college student. And I, I remember when I was in college, like I didn't know anything, right? And the the advisors, you know, from like the admissions office, they, they weren't helpful at all. Um, what helped me, and I don't know if these programs are even still at Sac State, was the EOP program, the CAP program, kind of just even helping to register for classes, to even know what classes, if you even have in mind what major you want. Because I think coming into it, you just, you don't really know. You're just like, I remember choosing business and came into college and like, it, it's just like a huge shock. Like you just have no idea what to expect. Right. And you don't know, again, you don't know what you don't know, like you mentioned, Rafa. So I think it's important that, um, you know, there's people like you who are on campus trying to help um, guide these students and, and, and help them knowing that you had a similar experience and that hopefully you can help them have a better experience. Yeah, I think you touch on a very good point, Laestrella, because um, like for 
for me and my personal journey, um, I, when I was looking into going to college, nobody told me that there was EOP or CAMP um, or, or any other um, program, you know, that, that helps students who come from first generation, uh, you know, backgrounds. And I, um, the only reason why I found out what EOP even was, was because when I was applying, um, when I, back then in, in, in my time, um, you know, we still did paper applications. It wasn't like online. And one of the questions, paper applications. (laughs) 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 Yeah. One of the questions on that application was if, um, I, I, if I was interested in um, participating in the EOP program and I was like, well, what is EOP? Like, I don't, like, I don't even, you know, there was nothing about the program. Mm-hmm. It's just like, are you interested in EOP? And I'm like, okay, so what is EOP? So I actually um, called, I called a random number at Sac State and I just remember saying, uh, you know, I need to know what the EOP program is. And they're like, oh, well, we can't help you here, but we can actually give you the number. And they ended up giving me a number to EOP. I spoke to someone who happened to be like, um, I think it was their, their admissions counselor for the, for that program. And then they explained to me what it was. And they're like, here, like, let me just take your name and information and we'll see if you, if you qualify. And then by the next day I had a call and they're like, yeah, you qualify. Um, do you want to be a part of our program? And I mean, at that time, I still didn't know what I was getting into because college was just a new thing for my family you know I'm the first one to go to college so I was like let's yeah I was like let's do it you know like you're telling me I can get you know help you know like definitely like whatever that help looks like you know like we'll we'll I'll I'll navigate that later but if right now you're telling me you're gonna help me you know through college then yeah like sign me up for listeners for, for those of you who don't know when we say the EOP program um uh at Sac State is known as the Educational Opportunity Program, and and CAMP is a college, is a college assistance migrant program um, for students that come from a migrant background. Yeah, and I think I it was maybe like an, some type of orientation when I went, and also, you know, the EOP program people were like, oh, do you want to sign up? And I was like, I don't know what this is, you know, but I also just signed up because I I just needed all the help I could get. And they actually helped me, you know, register for classes. And I think they registered me for my first semester, first, actually my first year, the first two semesters, because it's like, you don't even really know what to take. And then on top of that, you're like, how am I going to pay for this? Right? Like, I remember in high school, there was no support for like, you know, FAFSA um, workshops or, you know, informationals about the things that you needed to do to, you know, to apply for college. And these are the resources and this is where you can apply for scholarships and for, um, you know, Pell Grants and the free money that's out there. So there's just a lot of, and and, and at least back when I was in college, right, Um, there wasn't those resources or access to those resources for as students who were coming from families who weren't educated, hadn't ever gone to college before, didn't know what the process was, didn't know what that looked like, how, you know, we'd even be able to pay for it, you know? So there's just so much um, 
like lack of knowledge there, awareness, and and just not knowing what we don't know because we don't have that background. So I think you know it's it's so important to have these programs. Um, I think at, at you know universities that can help students really try to adjust and transition as like smoothly as possible, right? So my school, I went to UC Davis and they have a wonderful program called STEP. And it was uh, for, I think, uh, probably a lot of the folks in STEP qualify for EOP as well. So low income background, first gen. You live in the dorms, well, the residence halls is what they like to be called now. But you live in the residence halls for a month that you take like remedial math, remedial English classes. Um, then you have STEP like leaders they're like your counselors and then your mentors too so um we had those and then they just taught us how to school <laughs> like here's yeah. where you go and we had to experience is gonna be right kind of giving you like a crash yeah. course before yeah. you actually start right yeah and i oh my gosh i really to this day literally if i didn't have that program i don't even know what i would have done like someone had to explain to me college was four years Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I mean, someone was like, you have to go there. It's for four years. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I want to be a lawyer. Is it, will it, can I be a lawyer after that? Like that's law school. Okay. Well, let me just go to law school. And like, we actually have to go to undergrad. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's undergrad? Wait. And then, <laughs> so, I mean, you have to be like, really like it's a whole other world. And so luckily for this program, it exposed me to what college is, what I have to do. And then like you said, Rafa, every time it came around to scheduling classes, I, I was like, this is harder than my actual class, yeah. <laughs> learning the requirements. And I would sit there with my advisor, and I'm like, I was that student who was like, can you just pick? She's like, I can't. You have to do it. And we would sit there and look at each other, and I'm just like, and she's looking at me like, you know, <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so it was like a, it was it was a, a moment of growth. Down. It was a stare like, down. I felt like <laughs> we had a stare down. But, yeah, I, I was just like, no, you do it. She's like, no, you have to do it. And it was a moment of growth. You could just feel it, right? You're just like, I have to do this. I have to actually learn this, these GEs and all that stuff. So that was hard. I think advising was always so hard for me. That was my biggest struggle. And you're so panicked that you could get the wrong class, right? It's such yeah. a, it felt like such a panic. I just remember those feelings. So um, I think now, because I work at a university and I work with first-gen students, I'm just so mindful of like, where these little points are, they, they get a little bit overwhelmed. Yeah. And I'm super thankful for those advisors like Rafa, who have just like a kind, caring approach to advising. Like, yes, these are the rules of the university and how you get your degree, you can't change it. But I'm going to help you learn how to do it. And then you're going to know how to do it for yourself. And by the time I was a junior and senior, I was enrolling in my own classes. And I actually graduated a quarter early. So I was like really on track. So in, nice. because my advisors pushed me, they're like, no, you have to learn this. <laughs> so it took me five years to graduate. And I remember feeling like, man, like I'm, I'm not done in, in four years. Like I'm still not done. I still don't know, you know, really like the direction I want to take my life in. What's going to happen after I graduate? Now what? Like kind of even that fear of like graduating because you don't know what's waiting on the other side. Right now, what now? Now what happens after this? So, I don't know if it, it you know it's just me, but I kind of feel like I wanted to extend it as much as I could, but also I struggled. I had struggles and hurdles that I had to go through that I feel like it, it extended my um, 
my undergraduate uh, career, you know, longer than with the, you know, four traditional four years that it's supposed to take you to graduate. But I feel like being able to graduate in four years is like a, a, a type of privilege, right? Because there's so many things, so many pressures and especially, you know, being first gen that, that you deal with and, and that are affecting your mental health that, that keep you from reaching that goal, I guess, at that time. But now I realize that we are all on our own path and, you know, it takes us as long as it's going to take us and regardless of where you go to school or what your degree is or whatever it is, you know, so that's definitely one of the things that I kind of grabbed from that, um, from the experience that I had in college. For me, um, it was not only being involved um, on campus with um, programs like EOP or, um, as you were mentioning earlier, two programs like CAMP, or um, I know there's other um, programs like um, the Guardian Scholars for uh, foster foster youth, or there's a, a Cooper Woodson. Um, there's other programs that help very diverse populations of students. Um, and for me, it was also uh, joining a, a fraternity. Being part of a fraternity was what really gave me that, um, you know, that part, that aspect of, of my life that I needed, you know, that face-to-face -face person interaction. Because, yeah, it can be really scary. Um, I think, Sirena, you had a really good point in finding that community. For me, joining Lambda Sigma Gamma, Ipse, um, <laughs> uh, it was, it was like the community that I needed, the family away from home, right? But it also helped me find resources as well to help me thrive in in the university setting. Um, yeah, it's like the food insecurity part of you know, being a first gen and, you know, personally me, like my, my, my parents, they couldn't support me financially. They couldn't help me at all. So I got, you know, free money. I got the, the grants, but I also got loans because I didn't want to be in a position where I, I wouldn't have money to eat. And now a lot of schools have, um, they have food pantries now and this in the UC system as well here in California. Um, they have food pantries um, there's a program called Swipe Out Hunger where you can get meal swipes to the D.C. Um, and then there's CalFresh, which is a federal food program that provides up to $250 in grocery money. You don't have to pay it back. Um, so now there's all these programs to hit that food piece um, because there's a lot of data and research showing now the negative effects of food insecurity and also the prevalence of it. So I think in the CSE system where, yeah, where the, like your school falls into it was 42% of students that experience food insecurity. And that's what I mean. Universities have to have an all hands on deck approach to helping first gen students. Anyone you meet on campus needs to be aware, hey, do you know about this resource? Do you know about that? Just everybody needs to be throwing out stuff like all the time. And most of my help did come from people that were not my like direct advisors. It was just anyone that I ran into. Everyone was just kind of throwing out little resources. And I remember that helped a lot. Um, but yeah, I think for first gen students, the other thing I, I can imagine while well, being one myself is the guilt that you might have too. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but just you're going to have more opportunities than maybe other people in your family. Um, you may 
kind of advance, you may have more money if graduating and getting a, a different kind of job than, you know, that actually like gainful employment. And if that's not something common in your family. So I don't know what have been your experiences around um, that part of being first gen. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because I've experienced guilt at so many levels while I was an undergrad, you know, when I graduated, when I went into grad school, when I graduated grad school, and then throughout my journey as a working professional, because I'm the oldest out of five siblings, um, responsibility just kind of like automatically gets put on you to like pave the way for the rest. Um, so that was like something that I, that was a big burden for me to carry, you know, uh, for a very long time. And it just got to the point where I said, you know, like, screw this. Like, I can't be living my life for other people. I have to be, I have to live my life for myself. And even, even just saying that felt so, I felt so bad. I felt so guilty. I felt so selfish that it, I'm like, you know, I'm only going to look out for myself now. Like my siblings are old enough to look after themselves and to figure out what is best for them and their families. Um, to the point where I had to go, you know, I had to go seek counseling, personal counseling, because I was carrying that guilt, you know, and I'm like, I shouldn't be carrying this guilt. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and, you know, for me to keep on the topic of like the guilt, for me, it was a little bit more on the other end of it, where I felt guilty that like, I felt bad that it was taking me so long to graduate. And like, I felt like my family had this expectation of like, well, you're going to college. So, you know, you have to have a good job now. Right. Well, why don't you like my brother would be like, oh, you know, um, my sister, she's, she's going to college and she's been going all these years, but like, she doesn't have a good job because I try to motivate him to like do something better. And, you know, I was like, yes, okay. I don't have a good job yet, but I've been struggling. Like college was a struggle for me, just trying to figure out finances, trying to figure out the social aspect of it. Um, you know, even, you know, hurdles and stuff that I went through with the sorority and other sisters that, you know, it was, there was conflict and drama and that had a huge impact on my mental health, you know? And my mom, you know, I remember, I remember my mom saying like, oh, you know, you're so strong. Like, and I'm like, mom, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just trying to keep it together for you guys because I don't want you to see how much I'm really struggling because I know that you can't help me financially. I know that you can't, you know, give me money to pay my rent or, you know, buy groceries because then I would be taking away from her. And I knew that she was struggling as well to support herself and my brother. And, you know, it was just like all of this different pressure and feeling like I'm not in a place where I could support my family or give, you know, give them something. We're the fruits of, 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 uh, what was that saying? The fruits of your labor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and so, these are the, these are the experiences, um, of first gen students who don't get to rely on generational wealth. Like, look how smart you are and capable. And here you are, you have your masters and everything like cap clearly you are capable, you know, but these are yeah. circumstances that were up against you. And that's amazing that you still finished 
and you still stayed committed to yourself because you didn't have generational wealth, right? And resources coming in to make it easy. And it just upsets me a little bit because you struggled so much. And I bet some of your peers didn't at all because of the resources they came in with. Yeah. And feeling like I, I, I constantly used to compare myself to my peers, right? Like how come they're thriving or it doesn't seem like you're struggling, like I'm struggling. And it's not until now that I'm older that I'm like, they didn't have, you know, they had a different experience. They, maybe they didn't have, you know, childhood trauma the way that I did and, and had ha, trying to get through these barriers that maybe not everybody else has, you know, and that also goes back to having parents who also have an education, you know, maybe your parents only have a high school education, but they were, they have a U.S. high school education, right? Whereas my parents don't even, I think maybe up to like third grade in, in, in Mexico, um, like they had nothing, unfortunately, they had nothing to offer me from that space because they grew up in a completely different country in a completely different time. They came from very, very impoverished um, places and having to navigate that on my own, even though I was the youngest in my family, like it was hard because I didn't even have that support um, in high school from guidance counselors or anyone kind of encouraging me to go to school. Like, I just knew I wanted to go to college because I didn't, you know, want to be like a fuck up. And, you know, my parents came to this country and, and kind of used to base it off of that until it was more like, no, this is what I want. Like learning and going to school is something that I really enjoyed. And, you know, luckily I was able to overcome those barriers and, you know, later on came, came across different scholarships and like learned that there's so much free money out there, guys. Like there is so much free money out there. You just have to do the research. You know, now I tell my nieces who are, um, you know, the oldest is already going to school. My youngest is a senior in high school and I keep sending them scholarships and all of these things like apply, like the money's out there, you know, whereas I didn't really know that there was a hundred scholarships when I was in high school, you know, that you could apply to so that they can help you with, with, um, college expenses. Cause it's expensive, like not just tuition, but like books and food. And like, I'm over here graduating, you know, six, five, six years later, 30 grand in debt. And I'm like, how am I going to pay for this? You know, it's, it's a lot. That's also uh, its own burden, you know, but Absolutely. I already forgave myself. Biden. Absolutely. You have to. I forgave myself for my student loans. <laughs> Look, capitalism limited you. You didn't limit you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And like you have had laser focus on your goal and never let it go. And now you're not fucking up at all. You're like totally killing it in your life. And you just never let go of that. Like you always had laser focus. And I've watched you from when you were actually <laughs> first in, right? Like college, but yeah, laser focus. Like this was going to happen. You did all the right things. Like the Laestrea today, like you did all these things for her. That's why you were able to meet this version yeah. of you. You know, is you kept that, ver you kept in mind. Like I know you've always been very focused on no matter what. You were just like fuck it <laughs> just it like swiping all your stuff away you know like it's awesome to see that and and i love first gen students like we're so resilient right like once we're laser focused on that degree we know what it means and for our families it's just like nope i'm just gonna yeah all my way through all the way to the <laughs> stage like what you are passionate about right like rafa once yeah. you figured out what it is that you wanted to do and let go of 
the expectations that your family had. Like for me, um, I think Sirena, you brought up a good point where there was like, you know, white professors and staff that weren't supportive. And I ended up um, majoring in ethnic studies with a, um, with a concentration in Chicano studies because the professors in that department just like embraced me and like took me in like everyone in that program like we were like our own little small community small support like the chair of the department I remember he was really trying to push me to like um, go into public policy and he was like I want you know you wrote a really great you know paper and I really felt like man like I can do this you know like they made me feel like I can do this. I can graduate and I can I can be whatever it is that I want to be. And I don't have to feel like I don't have, you know, anyone in my corner. And and one of my professors from Sac State, um, Professor Figueroa, if she ever listens to this, uh, I love you, Professor Figueroa. Um, you got me through a lot of hard times. You were one of the first professors who ever pronounced my name correctly, who gave me the space to be who I was. And, you know, that allowed me to really thrive. And, you know, I just wanna thank you, Professor Figueroa. You were a really, really big part of my um, undergrad experience and um, a big reason why I feel like I was able to finish and, and feel like I could do this, you know, and I can go out into the world and I can continue to figure things out and now I know better and I can find resources and, and more community and you know the sky's the limit right like anything is possible I don't have to stop myself from feeling like I can't do it because I don't know or I've never seen it done before or you know afraid because you feel like you you don't belong somewhere you know because we've never been in these spaces these traditional higher education and professional settings you know, and I, and I still fight a little bit of that um, uh, imposter syndrome, you know, but I tell myself like, no, I belong here. I'm doing, I'm doing a, a good ass job at work and I'm being noticed and they see my worth. And that's awesome because I know my worth. I know my worth now, you know, so. Absolutely. And it's hard to see helped. yourself as being worthy because <clears throat> like you said, like, well, first of all, shout out to the faculty and staff who are amazing yes. and make people of color and first-gen students feel included. That's amazing. Like, when you find that person, keep them all four years. Don't let them go. I mean, they're few and far between, but they're there, right? I mean, just shout out to those faculty who see you and the staff. And there's and even, like, front desk or program coordinators, all those folks that take time to get to know their students. We know them, and I see you. Um, but also... I think there was a lot of feelings like I'm the only one in these spaces. And I used to internalize that, like maybe I don't belong here. But and now as I'm older, I understood it like, no, my institution was limited and they didn't provide enough opportunities for people like me to be represented. That's them. And so I stopped internalizing it and I start putting it on the systems. And, and that's how I carry myself too in the workplace. Like, when I start feeling like, oh, no, maybe I'm not supposed to be here or I feel like I'm an imposter. I'm like, no, that's just you don't your your institution or wherever you work just doesn't have the representation. That's a them issue, not a you issue. And, you know, so I, I know you have to kind of work through that. And these are all layers we have to go through as first gen and then still be the actual student. 
who he came to be, right? And then there's like the actual student. So I love first-gen students. That's your most badass student. That's the student you want in your class. Um, and that's the one you want at your school in a college. So shout out to all the first-gen college students. Don't give up. I know it's super hard and there are extra hurdles, um, but you're also tough, right? So as we end our episode today, I want to just for us to all share like what is something that you just love about first gen students and what would you want first gen students to know? Maybe something you wish you knew when you went to college. Yeah, I am. Um, well, I love that first gen students are they're strong, they're chingones, they're resilient. Um, that was part of who I was. And um, what I want for them to know, um, I'm going to speak to your point, La Sirena, and also, um, La Estrella, you, you, you touched on that too. You know, hang on to your faculty, your staff, or any other support staff that you meet at your campus who um, are providing you, you know, resources or inside information that you're not getting elsewhere. Um, because that's what's really going to help you get through. Know that they, there are resources out there. Know that you are where you are at because you earned it by your own merit. Um, you belong. Um, and know that there are resources out there. There are people out there that are willing to help you out. Um, they're willing to listen to you and they're willing to do whatever they can to ensure that you are successful. So, um, you know, if you're listening to, to this podcast and, and, and you're having uh, doubts, um, you know, just know that um, we're all in this together and, and there's pe people out there doing good work that are willing to help you out. So um, I, I hope that you're able to find um, that person or that group of people that are going to um, be your your cheerleaders and are going to support you throughout the way in college. Yeah, I love that. Um, for me, I the thing that I love about first-gen students is that we are very brave, right? We had the courage to leave our homes not knowing you know, where it was, where that path was going to lead us, completely different from what our families had done. And just having the courage to do that, right? Just to even just to take that step. I think that's amazing. Um, you know, echoing what, what Rafa and La Sirena have said, like, we see you, you're not alone, estamos juntos, si se puede, you can do it. Like, lean on your community lean on your support, look for those resources. I feel like there's so many more resources now than there was, you know, almost 20 years ago when I graduated high school. And I love to see it, you know, like even like on TikTok, there's like videos of people like talking about um, different resources that people can access different um, scholarship opportunities, um, just the awareness around focusing on yourself and your own mental health and, you know, saying, hey, if I don't have the, the mental capacity to, to study for this test right now, fuck it, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I, I'm going to go talk to my professor, let them know, hey, can, can I take this, you know, reschedule this, this final or this test another time, like put your mental health first, because otherwise, 
you know, your grades are going to suffer and you're going to suffer and you're just, you're not going to thrive. And then you're going to think maybe that the university setting isn't for you, but that that's only because it's, it wasn't historically set up for people like us to thrive. Right. But more and more I've been seeing, um, that change little by little, you know, and, and having offering these different programs and these different, different resources. Um, so take advantage of all of that, do research, um, look things up and, you know, just don't give up if that's what you want to do. And that's what your little heart desires. Go for it. Keep going. We're all pushing for you. We're all pushing for each other. You know, we don't win until we all win. And, you know, the, the, the Latino um, uh, community is one of the highest, fastest growing um, uh, communities uh, that is uh, graduating people from college, like the growth of Latino uh, college graduates has um, expanded tremendously over the last 10 years. And I think that's amazing. We're, we're coming into the world, into the workforce and the, into professional settings and we're changing shit up and people don't like it, but we don't care because we're here to stay and we're going to be our our authentic, you know, uh, selves, bringing our cultural flavor and you know, changing things up, changing it up a little bit. So let's keep going. You wish you had a Latina as your boss. Yes. (laughs) If you're lucky enough to get one of us. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I do feel like, you know, we deserve chances for power and education, right? And chances to be in positions of leadership and authority and helping make policy change. Because I think we have so much to bring to the table as Latinos and we take care of each other. So why wouldn't we take care of the people we serve? Right. So, yeah, shout out to all our first gen students and the ones who've graduated are now first in their environments, wherever you are. If you're a Latina elected official, if you're a Latina CEO of a bank, right, if you're a Latina artist or any other, you know, profession where you just find yourself being the only one, just keep going. You know, that bravery, we see you. And um, and I just want our first gen students to know that we're going to all be in this together and hang on to those mentors, find them, keep them around and just keep people around that truly support you and truly want to help you get through those barriers and not only be an ally, but a co-conspirator as you just work through these systems, right? And get to graduation. Yes. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you, Rafa, for coming back and sharing your expertise on this topic as well. Thank you for sharing your story, La Estrella. It is very inspirational. And please stay tuned. We've got more episodes coming up this season, and we hope you enjoy. Adios. Adios.